You're listening to the Living Inside Out podcast and I'm your host, Tux Araturi. This is episode 84. Welcome to the Living Inside Out podcast where we believe in learning through life. Episode 84 is Habits That Hinder Business Growth. Hold in. <laughs> Hello, my friend. How are you today? All good? Well, if you're listening, it means you're alive and we all have something to be thankful for. This past couple of weeks have had me in a state of intentional gratitude. You know, pulling your eyes away from the things that bother you and focusing instead on what you've been blessed with really is a game changer. I believe the enemy's tool is to keep us weary and exhausted. And if you spend your time looking at the things that sap your energy, you're going to be too drained to create, to move forward, to exercise your ideas, and even just to live and enjoy life. And so I want to encourage you to also do that Don't wait to have or see things to be thankful for. Instead, intentionally search for what you already have and be thankful for that. Someone said that what you focus on grows. And this applies to whether you're focusing on the negative or the positive. The more you look at something, the more uh, space it takes up in your life and in your mind. And before long, If you are focusing on the negative, even if you think, oh, I'm only looking at it so I can solve the problem. If you're focusing on the negative, before long, you are going to think that that's all there is to life. And you're going to have that as the background to which you're doing everything. Ever met people who just never seem to have any level of joy whatsoever? There's somebody that I used to know who even when I ran into her in the supermarket, I just dodge. I'll go from aisle 18 to aisle two just to avoid speaking to her because she never had anything positive to say. And I'm not saying that her life wasn't uh, challenging or that she didn't have issues. We all do. But when the only thing that you can talk about are your problems, then it means that it has formed the background music to your life and Everything that you do going forward is going to be affected by that viewpoint. So I really encourage you to practice gratitude, even if at at first sight, it may not look like there's plenty to be thankful for. Just being alive, just being in this time that you're in is a blessing. Recently, I had a thought about people who are not too keen on some of the new technology. There are people who are scared literally of chat GPT, for example, and wouldn't talk about or get involved with the opportunities that AI presents in our world today. And there are people who only ever see the negative. I'm not saying that everything that improves productivity or improves our lives or technology in itself is bad. However, if you're only focused on the things that are negative, you're missing out on so much more. And it occurred to me that, hey, we were born for such a time as this. We were created to be 
in this season for a reason. Didn't mean to rhyme, <laughs> but it happened. I thought about my parents, for example, who are not affected by AI in the way that we are. You know, they're not rushing to see how they can implement it in their lives or in their businesses because they're from a different generation. And in their time, they had their thing that they were involved with, that they were concerned about, that they were excited about. But this is our time. So if you're alive and well, which you obviously are alive, then understand that the season we're in, we were created to be in the season, to live in the season. And it doesn't matter what's going on in your space, in your part of the world, you were created for it because uh, God had a purpose and he therefore equipped you to navigate the season that you're in. So today I want to talk about hoarding as one of many business habits that can hinder our growth. I first came across this topic or it first got introduced to my mind in boarding house. <laughs> boarding house to me is a laboratory experiment where the human psyche is toyed with <laughs> and then shaped and molded through the experiences that you will never find anywhere else. So in many ways, it's an incubator. I attended a military boarding house in the north of Nigeria, which was not home away from home. <laughs> it was tough, but it helped to shape our character. I don't know what your thoughts are about boarding house or if you attended boarding school, but most people who attended my school or to be honest, any federal boarding school, at least in Nigeria, learned how to be resilient. And for that, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful even though it was tough. I'm thankful even though I have memories of horrible seniors like Senior Muni. If you're listening, Senior Muni, you were mean. <laughs> you were very mean. And Senior Memune, you were evil. You made me your shoe polisher. More about that on another episode. But I'm thankful because the resilience that I've experienced so far that I've been able to tap into up until today was birthed in that school, within the four walls of those school. My school, Command Secondary School, was set up for the children of military personnel so that the kids could have some stability as their parents were posted across the country and in many cases outside the country. So it means that we had a mix of every type of human in the school, every type of human from every type of home. Nigeria has over 200 tribes and I dare say that we had a mix from possibly each of those tribes. It means that unlike private school where the kids are of a certain income bracket, in command secondary schools, you had everyone from every bracket and every class. The only commonality we shared really was that we had some sort of link to the military and in most cases it was our parents. So we got a well-rounded experience just by being in boarding house. Now, 
the rules were super strict. We were not allowed to wear mufti, which is civilian clothing. And even our uniforms were limited in number. We were limited to like two shirts, for example, of housewear and two Sunday wear and two uniforms for, for school. I mean, it's ridiculous when you think about it. In 2023, my son has five school shirts, which means he doesn't need to wash during the week. But then us being limited to just two meant we had to think hard and fast. And it taught us to be focused, taught us to be disciplined. And we had to outthink the rules just to see how we could make it work while also appearing to live within the rules so we don't get into trouble. The amount of money and provisions, i.e. your food and snacks and essentials, was also very limited. And it taught us to live within our means. It also taught us self-control because what you did not want to do was eat the whole term's worth of supplies in just one month and then have nothing left for the rest of the school term. And I struggled with that one big time. I mean, think about it. We were often hungry. The food was second rate, except the rice and beans, which we called goulash. I loved that. The stew was, at best, a watery mix of oil and condiments, which when they placed it on a bed of rice, it got separated. <laughs> you had peppers and tomatoes to one side. You had water to another side and oil to another side. And it was tasteless. Oh my goodness, there was a time that someone saw a lizard run into a massive pot of stew and the kitchen women just yanked out the lizard and fed us that stew. It was horrible, guys. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, and then there was the tea. Tea, which we called shai. I think shai is actually tea in Hausa. Shai was at best tinted hot water it looked like muddy water just like like they dropped some mud in it just to change the color had no taste and it was a strict three meals a day at very specific times which meant that if you were late or you missed the bell you went without food period there was no i'm saving your food for you if you were lucky a friend of yours might sneak some food out for you and and give it to you but you basically were done and you then had to fall back on your provisions. And so very smart kids knew to not eat all of their food, drink all their gari and everything in uh, the first month. And they knew that there would be emergencies. They had to save for emergencies. And there were some students who mastered that art. But then there were others who took it all the way left. <laughs> These ones barely touched it until it was the last couple of weeks of term. And then they'd binge on it. And such students got a bad name because they were seen as stingy and hoarders and greedy. And to be fair, for the most part, that was true. Because there would have been many opportunities to help a friend who was hungry or had need of soap or something throughout the term but then you chose not to instead you hid your stuff and said it's finished I have nothing and I confess that I was judgmental of people like that 
even now when I look back, I have memories and like, oh, I don't like you very much. <laughs> but then fast forward to adulthood and I came across this TV program called Hoarders and you may have seen at least clips of them somewhere. And this is where you have uh, a crew go and dig out an individual from their home because they've surrounded themselves with stuff. And we're talking everything from valuables to empty tins and empty cereal boxes, plastic bags and food and everything. And they struggle to throw things away because they fear that they're going to need them in the future. Oh, I can store stuff in the cereal boxes and I may go to the shop and need a paper bag. And it's ridiculous. But the truth is, these people had a psychological problem. There was a root to it all. In this episode, number 84, would you believe it? We're looking at different ways in which we hoard and how hoarding can hinder business growth. Number one is hoarding knowledge. After I lost my first business, I started to rebuild, but without any funds. This meant that I had to learn how to do everything that should have been paid for. But in time, the business grew and got to a point where I could now afford to pay to get those things done. But I'd acquired the mindset of a hoarder and struggled to let go of the skills and the knowledge that I now had, but I no longer needed. One very vulnerable season was when I couldn't find a web designer. I couldn't afford one really so that I couldn't find one. I just couldn't afford one to help build my website. And so I researched and I learned how to do it for myself and began to esteem the knowledge that I had acquired because that was what seemed to save me. Again, in that season, I couldn't afford an SEO specialist and I paid a guy to teach me how to do it. So I learned how to do it myself, which meant I acquired the knowledge or rather he taught me how to do it myself. I acquired the knowledge and I held on to it because I considered it to be more valuable than what I was using it for. The fear of lack, any type of lack will lead you to hold on. And while I was busy losing everything, God was teaching me not to trust in the material or the tangible, but to trust in his invisible self. You may have heard the story of this guy who I think, no, I am totally butchering the story now, but he <laughs> was found dead holding onto a tree because he went mountain climbing or something of that sort with his friends and he tumbled and fell all the way down and grasped onto grasped a tree it was at night and um he was crying out to God to help him and God said to him let go but he couldn't let go because all he could see and perceive was what he was holding onto it was dark and he continued to cry out until he died I think or froze to death or something and it turned out that he was only a couple of inches from the ground but his inability to trust in the unseen is what killed him. I know that I've totally paraphrased the story, but often we prefer to hold on to that which is either tangible or that which we are certain has worked in the past. And you see, the rate at which technology is growing is mind-blowing. <laughs> I love tech and 
I enjoy learning about how things work. I am fascinated by new things, both chat GPT and AI, um, what are they called? The AI learning platforms. That is one that I'm not quite ready to figure out how it works. I'm going to, but at the moment, I'm just using the life out of it and it has become my personal assistant. <laughs> but you see, if you hold on to the knowledge that brought you to this point, if I hold on to my knowledge of website building and SEO, I wouldn't be able to grasp the new stuff that could revolutionize my business. And that applies to you as well. Currently, I'm having my website redesigned. My friend Titi is project managing it for me. She's been such a blessing, literally just doing the whole thing. And it's a, it's a production, guys. It's not, you know, like I did it in the past, like, hey, register with Shopify and choose a template and add your products. When I first mentioned the need to have a new website built, she said to me, oh, we're going to need a UI UX developer. I'm like, what on earth is that? So I'd heard of that. I knew about user interface, but I use user experience. I didn't know exactly what that meant and what they had to do with website building. My website building in the past has always just been a one man band. So first I did it myself and then I was able to find a really good guy who I'll be more than happy to recommend uh, to do it for me. And that's just how it's been. So a lot of times, even now, I would log onto the back end of my website and I would do things that I don't necessarily have to do, but I do it because I can do it. And guess why? Because I have esteemed knowledge and I think, hey, but I know, I know how to do it. I'm going to do it. But that aside, over the years, things have changed. Now we're having people and roles that I didn't even know exist build this website. If I had been holding on to my old knowledge and said, oh, no, no, I've done it before. This is what I'm going to do. Then I'd be stuck where I used to be. But I believe that this new one's going to propel us forward in ways that I didn't even think that a website could do it. I recently made some major changes in my business. It really has been new beginnings uh, this year. And part of the change was hiring a new marketing team. And honestly, it's the best thing I could have done. I can't even go into it right now because it's been such a relief. But you see, introducing experts into your business, there is nothing that compares to that. I'm going to do a whole one about emotions and how emotions can hinder your business. Maybe that will be the next episode. But emotions running your business on, on your emotions, it would kill it. And I was doing that, which is what kept me from making some of the major changes that I've made this year. But then the marketing team is involved in the website building and they're talking about user experience and, and how the mindset of our customers, is, uh, you know, would affect how they search for things on the website. And all of that is going into it. I don't have that knowledge. I never had that knowledge. I didn't even ever think to acquire that knowledge. But then because I've had no choice but to let go of the old, I'm now able to grasp the new. We tend to have faith in not what worked for us, but in what made us feel safe. And any 
information that is acquired during times of fear and vulnerability tends to be the one that would keep us back, would keep us stuck. Because without realizing it, our confidence is not actually in the information itself, but it is in the sense of safety that it gave to us. Leaving the comfort zone is uncomfortable, but it's got to happen frequently for business growth to occur. So I want to encourage you to let go of the knowledge that you have. And it doesn't mean erasing or demeaning what you used to know. It is just having a mindset that is open to learning new stuff. The second thing that we can hold that will hold us back or stop our businesses from growing is holding your present circumstance because you've got to let go if you're going to embrace the new version of you. One reason I don't watch the news is that the information they share could change the trajectory of my life. Our lives are driven by our actions and actions are sparked off by emotions and emotions are created from thoughts. And where do thoughts come from? Thoughts are derived from our environment, from what our senses pick up, whether it's the conversations you're holding, the movies you're watching, the music you're listening to, everything around you that your senses uh, are absorbing becomes a thought, becomes a source of your thoughts. And so since the news, at least in the United Kingdom, is mostly negative, I stay away from it. Because I don't want my actions to go from fulfilling my goals to avoiding the disaster that they predicted on the nine o'clock news. If, however, you watch the news regularly, you'd know that the talk has been about the cost of living crisis and a global recession and so much more. Now, this is going to either cause you to invest in the future or stand still and not make any move. In the previous episode with Amanda and Ginny, who are the wonderful hosts of Soul Rising podcast, we talked about fear. And I referred to episode 33, where we looked at how the fear response plays out. In it, I shared the story of a lady called Sue Yellowtail, a researcher that came face to face with a cougar and had to fight for her life. The fear response in a real life situation will also play out when it comes to leaving the comfort zone because your brain can't distinguish between real and imagined fear. And so the first one is freeze. When a wild animal comes face to face with its prey, the prey and the predator both freeze. The predator freezes to stop the prey from being startled and therefore escaping while the prey freezes to prevent the gap from being closed. So they are in relative safety. So yes, I'm being attacked. Well, I'm being looked at by a cougar. I'm staring at a cougar, but he hasn't attacked me yet. I don't want to close the gap between where I stand and where he is. And it's all instinctive. We don't want to move forward because it will close the gap between our present relative safety and where the danger lies. And the truth is, we're presuming danger. 
Again, the mind does not distinguish between real and imagined danger, so the response is always pretty much the same. Think of businesses like Blockbuster and Kodak. In 1970, a Kodak employee developed a digital camera. The company, funny enough, were known for taking risks and being innovative, but the management were not willing to bet on this one. (laughs) They went as far as getting a patent for this digital camera, but pushed it to the side, believing that it wouldn't be accepted. The patent expired in 2009. Competitors snapped up the idea and Kodak went bankrupt in 2012. Many businesses hold on to their present state because their past actions got them to where they stand today and they don't want to close the gap between their relative safety and what could possibly be like people rejecting an idea that you have invested in. But what got you here is not going to get you beyond here (laughs) because we're in an ecosystem Our lives and businesses don't operate outside an incubator. They are operating in changing conditions which we're not even responsible for. And so while your current state might feel safe and familiar, the space in which you're operating in every single day is becoming less familiar. And the third item that we hold, that can hold us back, is our ideas. It's the fear that once you exercise it, it's done and you have nothing more to offer. This one is me. (laughs) I realized that I wasn't doing my best because I feared that once I used it up, there'll be nothing left to offer. And this extended from my interior design ideas, to marketing my business, to putting myself out as a speaker, to putting out my content. And it's something that I'm still working on. I am getting better, but I recognize it. And it's a fear issue, you see. The only cure for it is to trust God, trust in his limitless ability and provision of everything from food and finance to ideas and a sense of well-being. One of the lessons that God taught me some years back was to see myself as a river and not a pond. A river has two openings. It's open at one end to receive and open at the other end to give. We receive from God and we give to the world. Everything from finances to ideas to our gifts to our words, our voice, everything flows through us and into the world. But a pond simply has one source, the heavens, the rain, the elements, and it rains and the pond is filled. And if it doesn't rain again, it's eventually going to dry up. And when you think about a pond, a pond has the lowest life forms living in it, whereas rivers have got salmon, the king of fish, (laughs) and other higher forms living in them. And so... Being a river means allowing your creativity to flow from God through you and out of you, as opposed to hoarding and holding onto it for fear that it will be your last card should you use it. 
I hope that that has given you a good visual for how to not hold your ideas and how to let it out. There is also the fear that's quite common that if I use my ideas, somebody might come snap it up and do it better. And in fairness, I've seen that happen. I know of someone who is an artist and she she put out her beautiful creations. I'm sure that wasn't even her best work because she gets better each time I see her work. But then someone who was supposed to be a friend snapped it up and ran with it and built a successful business with it. And I've seen, I mean, right now in Nigeria, the craze is Guinness Book of Records. Um, This girl, Hilda Bassi, came up with an innovative idea to cook for, I think it was 120 hours or so. And she held a -a cookathon and ran and won and became the Guinness Book of Records holder for, or the world record holder for the longest cooking uh, event marathon. And since then, we've had many mushrooms pop up, you know. There was even one of a girl who went ahead and and, uh, started cooking without informing the authorities, you know, the relevant organization that she was actually running (laughs) and and accounted for nothing. And there's so many of them. And But then it's a little bit different, I guess, because it's not like they're uh, stealing from her. But nonetheless, people have ideas sitting at the bottom of their minds that they don't want to use for fear of this sort of thing happening and the shine or the business is taken away from them. What are you afraid of? Where did that fear start? I discovered that many of my fears began after I lost everything and what I used as a coping mechanism became a habit or a mindset. And they were not necessarily right for me. They worked and may have been needed for that season, but they were not designed to become the way that I live my life. So I encourage you to spend your time journaling this week and answer these three questions. Am I doing my best? What does my best look like? Why am I holding back? Answer them in various areas of your life, from your relationships to your business, and you may just be surprised by what you uncover. I will be taking a summer break for some much-needed R&R. So we've got one more episode next week, which will be episode 85, and then we'll be back in September when the new school year begins. I want to thank you, as always, for listening, for sharing. Let me know your thoughts along with what other topics you'd like me to talk about. And also if there are any guests that you think, hey, we need to hear this girl's story or this man's story, please send them my way. Your comments and reviews are very much appreciated. And if we're not connected on social, I'm on all the things, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and now threads. (laughs) It's talks arotere. No spaces or gaps. Until next time, leave from the inside out. <laughs> <laughs>